Welcome back, and here we go for another episode of FileMaker Talk. Us, you go. We should try to find an expert who like integrates APIs. Do we know anyone cool like that? Somebody who's curled around the block before? Yes. Oh, I hope some people get that one. (laughs) I really like that. Yeah. Do we know anybody like, uh, I don't know, someone down under, something like that? Uh, There's a guy named Andrew. I think there's like some company named. Data buzz. It's data buzz. Data buzz. Data. Data. Data buzz. Mm-hmm. Well, it's databuzz.com.au. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a magic so, uh, with fingers. Where is he? Let's bring him on. Andrew, He's are you on. here? I'm here. Thanks, Matt and Matt. <laughs> Down here in uh, Sydney, Australia. We can't. We can't resist the silliness. Of course, everyone on the watching the video would be like, um, "He's right there." What are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but we are doing this for radio. This is true. So we're, we're kind of we're going to be experimenting with simultaneous release on YouTube and audio. So Andrew, uh, you reached out on LinkedIn when I sent the word out, um, and I'm really curious to learn <clears throat> what you've been working on uh, and sort of the trials and tribulations, uh, successes and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I saw, I saw your post and I thought it's always good to hear other voices in the filmmaker community, particularly those outside of. Um, North America, we've always had a pretty strong and vibrant filmmaker community down in the sort of Asia-Pacific part of the world. Yeah, you really have. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm, there's lots of people like myself who have been developing for sort of 30-plus years, so there's a lot of sort of grey beards and veterans and, and lots of new people coming into the community as well, so it's uh, good to hear our voices every now and again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but the exciting thing is when the old grey beards like us uh, – are actually doing things that are with the modern part of the FileMaker platform, like API integration. You mentioned some. You mentioned Zero. Well, we talked a little bit before we started recording, which is a great accounting program that competes nicely with QuickBooks that hasn't really gotten that successful in the U.S. yet. No, the, the North American markets. It's sort of it's big frontier, and it's it's the hardest market to sort of break into, particularly with the QuickBooks and QuickBooks Online sort of dominance. But um, they, they have a slow and steady approach and. Their, their numbers are going up sort of year on year and particularly Canada's, uh, they've got a lot of traction in, in Canada and I've got lots of clients in different parts of the US, but yeah, Zero is certainly the new kid on the block and it's um, it's going to take a while to sort of crack into the market. Sure. What other what are the other APIs that you've done? We'll kind of go through them uh, in one at a time. Um, yeah, so this all started out for me um, back in the early 2000s. I was running a business with a partner who was in the real estate industry and we'd built a software product for real estate agents to sort of help run their business, sort of manage listings and track buyers and communicate with them. And I was uh, sitting next to one of our customers one day and it was a Friday afternoon and he was about to spend the next sort of two, three hours um, sort of cold calling all his potential buyers to inform them about all the uh, listings that were coming up on the weekend and just to let them know and see if they're interested. And he just sort of flippantly said to me, oh, it'd be great if I could just um, send them all an SMS and say, this property is open for inspection at this time. Hope you can make it because he's going he's to make a lot of calls. A lot of people wouldn't answer it and he had to get a lot of um, sort of uh, telephone tag and people calling back and it was just a waste yeah. of his time. And that sort of got me thinking, can you, um, is there a way to send an SMS from FileMaker to sort of a, a batch of people 
and just let them know about an open house. And that sort of led me on a bit of a long journey. And probably about six months later, I'd sort of managed to find a, an SMS gateway, uh, which were few and far between back then, who had an API. And then the next challenge, challenge was uh, FileMaker back then. This is like FileMaker six days from memory. Um, they didn't have any any of those curl functions that we take for granted now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the base model's plugin didn't exist. So we actually had to pay someone to uh, write a plugin, FileMaker plugin for us that, that could do the sort of HTTP post and get requests. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a solution. And um, that became a, a major sort of selling point of our software. We we're the first sort of real estate product to let uh, agents send and receive SMS messages from their sort of desktop application. Um, and that led me on a bit of a sort of a journey down uh, integrations and APIs, and uh, but it all started out without yeah, that conversation. Um, so I have a question. Heard, uh, are you, is ahead. it Twilio that you're using or is it some, something custom or is it? Uh... Well, Tw- Twilio is one of the more popular uh, SMS gateways these days, but it, it didn't exist back in the early 2000s. So we were right. just working with a local Australian uh, gateway uh, who have now sort of been bought out and merged into some of the other bigger ones. But yeah, these days, so we, we have a product called uh, FMSMS now that we sell that has all the sort of um, tools to let you integrate your uh, with your FileMaker solution so you can send and receive your SMS messages. And we support about 60 or 70 of these SMS gateways around the world. And, and Twilio is one of the more popular ones that we sort of recommend, particularly in the North American market. Okay. So you're... You're running your own gateway or you're bridging into other providers' gateways? Uh, the second option, yeah. We're, we're just connecting FileMaker to a gateway of your choice. So we, we let people pick and choose. They, they might already have an existing relationship with a particular gateway, particularly in their country. Um, so we're just using all the different APIs for all the different gateways, such as, such as Twilio. Got it. Yeah, because I was going to say, wow, if you've got your own relationships with the cell providers and they're letting you just straight into the network, I mean, that's pretty pretty powerful. That's pretty big. Yeah, no, that wouldn't be a, a lot of work and a lot of a lot of investment, a lot of contracts. There's like a thousand carriers around the world, I think, these days. Yeah. And I don't want to be responsible for that, no. So, yeah, for sure. yeah my, my first exposure to anything sending-wise uh, sending in the early days was each, pro, uh, each telco provider basically allowed you to use their gateway via a- email. So you would email to the phone number at the provider, you know, some address, some root mm-hmm. domain. Um, but then, you know, people, I guess, started abusing that <laughs> probably. Well, and also you had to, you had to know which um, cell phone provider your yeah. customer was with. And sometimes that was just impossible to find out or people port their numbers to another carrier and yeah. you don't know. And so it's, it was very unreliable, that, that system. Yeah. yeah. I just changed providers and I'm getting a lot of messages from companies that I use saying that my number's not valid, even though it's the same, because they sense I'm on a different provider now. <laughs> so one of the things I read, and I'd love it if you can confirm or comment on this, is that when you send messages via SMS, that people are much more likely to respond. So I'm wondering like when you started doing that to these real estate people and and all, all these projects since then, if you're getting a higher uh, success rate of people actually taking action compared to, say, sending an email or a, making a phone call? Uh, yes, there have been a lot of, lot of studies around this, and um, SMS has uh, some really high numbers in terms of um, deliverability and open rates. So uh, 99% of, of messages are uh, delivered and read, uh, I think, within within a couple of minutes. So 
people are much more likely to uh, open and read and, and respond to an SMS compared to a, an email, which often will end up in your junk folder. And I mean, like all of us, we're all probably getting sort of tens of junk spam messages a day, and sometimes it's hard to uh, pick the real ones from the fake ones. And I'm, I'm getting a lot of um, spam SMS these days as well. So mm-hmm. it's becoming a bit harder. But yeah, SMS is certainly got a great history, particularly for notifications and appointment reminders and and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a proven history of of deliverability and um, people actually uh, opening them and reading them. So FMS is pretty sweet. FM, SMS, it's kind of a mouthful. What are some of the other ones you've uh, worked on? So we, we've released a sort of a sister product to uh, FMSMS, which is FMMMS, and that's all about uh, multimedia messages, so picture messaging. Uh, and that's a bit more of a sort of a niche market um, where you might want to send a photo um, or a QR code or some sort of graphic image. Um, and that's obviously, it's more expensive um, compared to SMS. Um, uh, you can send an SMS for under a cent these days, but uh, an MMS is um, going to cost you a bit more. Um, it's got a bigger payload and it's it's really, it's probably more for sort of marketing communications where you want to have sort of a, a more of a visual appeal and have a, uh, something that stands out that people can respond to. So it's good in real estate once again. It's good for sending pictures of, of open houses of, of houses, and um, a lot of restaurants use it for uh, new um, new uh, items on their menu, for example. Um, so that's so we sort of got the uh, SMS, the text messaging, and the MMS, the pitch messaging covered. Mm-hmm. Um, are you doing the optimization I'll- for that? Uh- pre-provider or are you letting the provider take care of the optimization? For example, you know, you've got an image that's a one meg and it's going to need to be dropped down because they're delivering that in chunks. Are you doing that in FileMaker before you hit the, the gateway? Uh, no, everything, we sort of hand it all off to the gateway and each gateway has their own rules about how yeah, many uh, attachments you can send and how big each can be and what format it can be. So for some of them, we have to convert it to a a JPEG, if it's a PNG, for example, others just let you upload a file, whether it's a PNG or a PDF, and they'll ingest it and they'll do the resizing and formatting for a mobile device. Uh, so we just handle the sending of the message and the content and let the uh, the gateway uh, do the optimization. Yeah, got it. And you're doing this through uh, your own plugin. So this was pre-using FireMaker's uh, implementation of Curl. Yeah, so these days it's all it's all curl and it runs on FileMaker 16 or, late, or later natively. So no plugins. Yeah, as soon as we're able to mm. uh, remove the plugin dependency, uh, we we did. That was okay. So you are uh, using FileMaker's uh, embedded curl. Yeah, as soon as FileMaker 16 came out, we 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 were using the, the base elements plugin for most of this, and we switched to ah, using native script steps and functions. So it can run on yeah, Pro Go server and and WebDirect now without. Any, any issues at all. So you have some pretty deep expertise on this. I'm wondering like what trials and tribulations you would think that uh, like an ordinary person would use if they're trying to roll their own to what are the, what are the points that you'd, you'd uh, advise people? Yeah, look, a lot of it's um, banging your head up against the wall, particularly if you've never worked with a, an API before. Um, and certainly each API is different. There's no sort of two APIs that are the same, but uh, yeah, so a lot of it comes down to experience and um, a bit of training and just understanding how to construct a, an API request, how to 
view the uh, the vendor's documentation and just sort of work out how that translates to a, a FileMaker script step or a FileMaker function um, and just seeing how someone else has done it. Um, so that these days, there's lots of great examples out there on the on the community. Um, and if you go to DevCon, there's normally a couple of sessions on these um, over the years that will show you how to how to use the curl command and uh, make an API request. I remember so. FileMaker conferences from like eight years ago. <laughs> COVID time. Yeah, I think mostly yes. it comes down to uh, know your flags in curl. And then after that, your biggest thing is going to be your encoding. You know, know your characters. Your provider may... May not like your character ten, your uh, versus your character thirteen. So, yeah, lots of um, vendors will give sort of Postman examples. That no one will give you a, a FileMaker example, obviously. But um, you can get a Postman example. You can normally get that working, and then it's not that hard to convert that to the uh, sort of FileMaker equivalents. Uh, if you can get it working in Postman, uh, you're sort of halfway there. Mm. Is my experience? Yeah. Has Clarence connected any? Uh, Clarence Connect have any connection, or uh, do you have anything deployed with that, or your customers? Uh, not yet. No, I was, I was sort of intrigued when I was at that DevCon when they announced um, Claris Connect, and I wasn't quite sure what it would mean for my business and our products because a lot of the uh, connectors they had listed were things that we connected with, like uh, Shopify and and DocuSign. But um, it turns out that what they do is quite uh, sort of a subset. It's quite limited compared to the full sort of breadth of the API. Mm -hmm. So with DocuSign, for example, they don't let you send a, uh, an agreement to be signed. They just let you um, get notified when someone has signed an agreement and pull down yeah. the complete document. That's and kind uh, of a glaring omission. Yeah, and the same with Shopify. Um, so it's very limited. So um, yeah, Claris Connect really hasn't been a, I, I was sort of looking forward to sort of getting stuck into it. Um, it's got some um, <clears throat> benefits like it's, it makes it a bit easier to uh, work with webhooks to receive um, notifications of a new online order or a new uh, reply to an SMS you've sent. Um, but it's, an, it's yet another subscription service. and um, mm, Less so now. <laughs> now with, <laughs> yes. with the, with the yeah. brand new, you know, days old um, um, problem solver circle that comes with a license of Claris Connect. It's basically all of the entire Claris product offering. Mm. I'm in the middle of a few deals with clients who are looking at it to be one of the first 500. Whittle, it, however, it will still remain to be seen whether or not they will make it easy. FileMaker does not have easy inbound uh, webhook-based access. You still have to go through authentication, which means there has to be an intermediary such as Node-RED or something else that will do the authentication to get in. I wish they would do something with a pre-shared key so that you could actually just, you know, write some type of, uh, it's like Amazon. You can use a, you have a pre-shared key that you can embed that becomes part of uh, your tokenized URL that allows you to get something in. And FileMaker doesn't currently support that. And I wish they did. They could do it through their through the security model by giving you like a calculation on a given account where you could encode a pre-shared key, but you still have to go through something. And I think that's even that, I mean, anything connecting into FileMaker has to be authenticated for inbound data. So something, it's just yeah, something I, I wanted, I wanted to do a video about it the other day. I'm like, I'm going to show people how to get <laughs> stuff into, into FileMaker, you know, through a webhook, through if this, then that. And, and I was like, oh, no, I can't do that unless I authenticate. And you had to have some other software. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, historically, we've used uh, PHP files to act as the sort of webhook receiver. Uh, so in the old days, it was with the the old FileMaker PHP API. Now it's with a newer data API. Yeah. Um, and then that works great with with FileMaker Server. But yeah, once you try and do that with FileMaker Cloud, uh, that adds a whole another level of complexity around the authentication um, process. So we've we've sort of mastered that. But it's it's a real it's not pretty and it's not something I enjoy doing. But uh, as I understand it, Claris Connect makes it much easier to generate a URL that can be your webhook receiver, um, and it works. It, well, with simple things like uh, SMS replies from, say, Twilio, where you can easily get Claris Connect to receive those and post them to a record in your yeah, connecting FileMaker file. Connecting yeah. to FileMaker is totally the beautiful part of Claris Connect. That that's the funnest, easiest thing. Um, that's that's totally working from the beginning. Um, it's just all like you mentioned earlier, all the richness of connecting to whatever other API you're trying to get to. I was trying to do it with Mailchimp and. I can't remember exactly what the limitation I had back in the in the day was like. Um, I could, I could add a address, but I couldn't like put it into a certain group in Mailchimp because Mailchimp had all the, you know, your your account would have different groups like prospect, client, vendor, blah blah blah. Yeah, like tags and segments and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe um, there will be more steam behind it now that a bunch of people are going to be using it because they're going to have licenses to it included with uh, with this new deal. Yeah, well, that should certainly drive usage. If if we get to that point where we just have a single Claris subscription that covers all the Claris products, then I'll yep. certainly um, be much more open, uh, proactive in using Claris Connect. Yep. If I'm already paying for it, and I must well use it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I feel too. Um, so, what about other um, what about other APIs you guys done? So, you, some of these you have products for, and some of them you've probably just done one offs for clients, right? Yeah, so the, the, what we generally find is um, often we I build something for our business to solve a problem that our business has, and then I start to think about it more and think, well, uh, this might be something other businesses who use FileMaker might be in the same position, um, and we might get contacted by it, by customers about it. Um, so, for example, the our other main bigger product is um, is the FM accounting link uh, for Zero that shows you how to connect uh, FileMaker solution to the Zero. Uh, cloud accounting platform. So that was originally built as a uh, internal integration for, for my business. We'd moved from an old accounting software called MYB down here to mm. to Zero. And one of the attractions of Zero was it had, it was a it had an API and it ran on Mac and Windows in, in the web mm. browser and had apps and, and everything. So I moved to Zero specifically for the API and then I had to go about working out how to connect FileMaker to their API. Uh, and then once I started Telling people about that zero is extremely popular in Australia, New Zealand, and, and the UK, and becoming more so in the North American market. Um, but yeah, once sort of I started telling people about that, they said, "Oh, we, we've moved to zero. We're currently <coughs> doing lots of manual data entry, double data entry. Um, uh, can you do it the same for us?" So once we once we do it for about half a dozen customers, that's when we I start to think, "Oh, can this be a product?" Because I've been selling FileMaker products for a good sort of 25 years now and it's sort of my my brain tends to think oh can i sort of productize this and yeah that's been um that's been going since about 2014 i think we first released that um and we've just sort of piggybacked on on zero sort of rise back then they were a much smaller company mainly in new zealand and australia um but yeah so i solved that as a i built that as something for our business and then that's become a product that 
uh, other small businesses who use FileMaker and Xero uh, can benefit from and, and solve the same problems for them. Um, and then same experience with uh, WooCommerce. I have two uh, WordPress sites that run WooCommerce for online store for selling FileMaker solutions. Mm -hmm. And um, we were using the uh, external SQL source feature many years ago to just directly connect our internal FileMaker CRM to the uh, MySQL tables on the on the WordPress store uh, WordPress sites. Mm -hmm. And one day our uh, web host uh, cut off the port that uh, is used to connect and they just refused to open it again for security reasons. So I really quickly had to come up with another solution because um, I didn't want to spend my time doing sort of double data entry of orders that we get uh, from the online store and mm -hmm. so on. Um, so I quickly uh, worked out there. Yeah, WooCommerce uh, had an API, built an integration for our FileMaker solution to WooCommerce so we could uh, update products on the store and uh, download orders from WooCommerce or sort of click of a button and, and use webhooks and so on. Mm -hmm. And then I th once again, I thought, oh, if uh, this is helpful for my business, there's probably some other FileMaker users out there who use FileMaker and WooCommerce. Let's um, make a product. I'd had a few inquiries and, and see what happens. And yeah, it turns out, uh, I didn't really know, but yeah, WooCommerce is, is very uh, popular in the in the FileMaker community around the world, particularly in sort of Europe and, and North America. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got yeah, customers in sort of tens of countries in so many different industries who all use FileMaker and now using our solution to help them integrate and eliminate the whole sort of double data entry of updating products into systems and manually rendering orders they get in the online store. Um, so yeah, solving problems for our business has turned out to be a, a good sort of insight into whether we've got a solution that can work for other businesses as well. Yeah, you sort of see the pain and the, uh, you know, and the benefit too. Um, yeah, you mentioned so Woo and uh, WooCommerce and Shopify. Those seem like the two big ones around here. I don't know what other ones are people using, Matt. Me, I have no idea. I've uh, I've always been hooked through uh, Authorize.net through a direct merchant account. But um, yeah, I've heard of hmm. the two, but I haven't I haven't investigated others. I mean, of course, you've got uh, you've got a lot of sites now. Um, for example, Wix. I believe uh, Squarespace probably has integrated uh, mm. commerce. You may have to hook them up to like uh, a third-party merchant or the you know the actual financial gateway, which I know there's Braintree and others. But yeah, all these businesses, they all if they have an API and you can connect into it, then yeah, you just you're going to write your hooks and what you ex want to expose of their API. But it's definitely, you know, if you don't want to go through the hassle, it's way easier to just get something like what Andrew's offering here. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm already using WooCommerce, why do I need to go uh, create that? Just go check out his WooCommerce. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what our products have become. Essentially, they're time-saving tools for developers who don't want to invest the time in, in learning all the ins and outs of the API. They can just buy a sort of relatively cost-effective solution that will show them how to do it. They then just have to translate that to their existing FileMaker solution and, and map fields is is generally what it comes down to and they can be up and running really quickly or they can use our file and just push and pull data from from their solution to our file um, and once we're done yeah like once we'd put the WooCommerce solution out there we immediately started getting requests from people um, uh, who use FileMaker and Shopify saying oh can you build one of these for Shopify and I'd sort of heard of Shopify a bit but mm -hmm. didn't really know much about it so started investigating that and um uh, build a solution for that, basically the same as the 
FME commerce link for WooCommerce, but for Shopify, and um, that's become yeah extremely popular. And uh, I didn't realize how popular Shopify was as well. Um, and scalable. I mean, it can go huge. You can build very large. Yes, you know, millions. You can go millions for Stripe of- next. Stripe is another provider. Uh, mm, true. Commerce. Yeah. So we've had people inquire about other solutions, online stores like uh, Magento and yep. uh, mm, the Amazon cool. one. Um, so we've, they seem to yeah. be more niche and smaller ones. So we've, Amazon we've done and a eBay few. too, maybe? Yeah, um, but definitely WooCommerce and Shopify, the two seem to be the number one and number two in, in online e-commerce stores that a small business like a file maker customer would typically uh, be running. Very nice. Matt, what more questions do you have? Um, myself, I—I I mean, I'm—I've I'm, been looking at uh, the page while we've been talking here over at databuzz.com.au, uh, and you click on their products link, and uh, yeah, all of them support all the standard uh, HTTP, GET, POST, PUT, all the—you know—you can modify, update, uh, add, stuff like that. So, and I imagine Andrew's probably gone through. I mean that's the biggest thing with a with any type of thing is if you don't want to take the time to wade through API docs in order to either one find out just the minimum number of calls that you need to make to do what you want to solve as a problem. Oh yeah, that's but true. then two, if you don't want to go and I mean, in order to fully integrate an API, you've got to go through the full API. And if the API is huge, like QuickBooks or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of stuff, and that's when it becomes worth it to just take what somebody else has already done and developed. So, Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of looking at the DocuSign API at all. No, I haven't looked at it myself. Usually when I'm doing APIs, I'm just, I need to solve this one thing. I'm going to go just do the calls that I need. I'm not going to write for the whole spec, but uh, I imagine... That would be probably huge because they have a lot of different things because they're dealing with PDFs, uh, especially yeah. if they're supporting all of the full suite of what you can do with PDFs in terms of annotations, the digital security, notes. Uh, wow. Yeah, lots of stuff. Is it a nightmare? Yeah, would, You're going to say it's a nightmare. It is. It's the most complex, <laughs> deep, and rich um, API I've ever looked at, and I, I've probably only barely skimmed a small portion of it, yeah. It's um, it took me yeah, tens, if not hundreds, of hours to sort of get on top of that one. And um, I don't know if I could do it these days. If I had to start from scratch, it's an extremely complicated <laughs> API. There's so many um, complexities around. The recipient could be a signer, or they could be a a notary, or they could be an in-person signer, or they could just be a carbon copy recipient. Um, and then you've got does it go to this person first or does it go to everyone at the same time? Um, so you, that, then, you're basically learning the way that they constructed their software. So whatever names they use for designations of uh, different types of uh, personalities in terms of who uses the software, like you say, signer, notary, etc. Yeah, you've got to learn that on top of how you're actually accessing it. So, yeah. Yeah, and then the, the hard the hardest part initially too was how do you place a little sign here field or tab onto a particular position in a document whether that's a pdf you've generated from filemaker or an external pdf you've got um now they're using xy coordinates but are they going from zero zero on top left or bottom left i believe it's bottom left with pdfs isn't it well um 
there's about three different ways you can position those tabs on the PDF and using the XY coordinates turns out to be the the hardest way, in, which hmm. in hindsight was the first way that I tried. And um, there's actually a much easier way these days. And that's where you, if, if you've got control over the PDF and it's, say it's a, a file maker layout that you convert into a PDF, um, you can put these little hidden text strings, what they call anchor strings on the documents where you want something to appear. So And just pull the coordinates from that. Brilliant. Well, just, yeah, it's just like white text on, on a white background Brilliant. with a little, little sort of syntax. And you say, you tell DocuSign, if you find one of these, put a sign here tab uh, anywhere that appears. And that way you don't need to even work because often a FileMaker PDF can be, it could be two pages, it could be three pages, just depending on the on the content, particularly if it's a contract, it might have different clauses. So you might never know which page uh, the sign here uh, tab needs to be positioned. So if you've got no way of knowing in advance where it's going to be, um, that obviously makes it much harder to tell DocuSign, I need a sign here on page three at sort of XY 100 and 200. So, yeah, um, that's the... That was one of our sort of yeah. I, I mean, I've been doing DocuSign integration for about yeah four or five years now, and I'm 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 learning every month that I do something. There's oh, there's actually an easy way to do it that I just had no idea about because the the API is sort of fifty pages long, and I've only sort of read the first sort of ten. Yeah. Yep, that's the uh, that's the trial and error of being a developer, finding out that what you did was the hardest way until you <laughs> until you find out oh, it's so much easier to do it this way. Yeah, yeah, and that was and on page with, forty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I actually flew over to San Francisco to go to the DocuSign conference, their developer conference um, in 2019, just so I could spend time with their their sort of developer evangelists and just quickly find out uh, sort of best practices in terms of what I need to do and uh, what, all that all that information that I don't know that I need to know that they could tell me. So that was that was a great uh, way to sort of fast track my. My learning understanding, but I had to go to you know, a conference in San Francisco to find out about it. But yeah, that really uh, turned, I mean, helped me turn the corner. And then the next year, COVID happened, and e-signatures sort of just boomed in terms of popularity. Yeah, totally. Uh, Good for business. Yes, yeah, that and SMS were the two of the sort of big things. And a lot of people actually in COVID were quickly having to move to online stores with because uh, they couldn't sell things in their physical store anymore. So. So, yeah, the last couple of years were, were extremely busy for us. Very cool. Well, it sounds like we've uh, done a good job. Is there anything that uh, anything that strikes your fancy, Matt? No, this is such food for thought uh, in so many areas. It's kind of funny. I mean, <clears throat> I looked. I was looking at your pages as well, and remembering that years ago I've been using your, I've been using your products, but they're so integrated that I I sort of forgot that I was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, I think, but maybe not maybe not so good on another level. <laughs> what were you using? What were you doing? Uh, FMS. SMS was, oh, one, okay. was the first one I started using a while ago. Mm-hmm. And integrated, and then it's just sort of been sitting there integrated into something. Um, yeah, well, we've had some, some customers, I think they've sent millions of messages over the last sort of 15, 20 oh, yeah. years. So um, the carriers or the gateways are certainly making money. Um but yeah, we've. I think yeah, one of our customers has been yeah, sending pirate reminders for almost twenty years now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Have you thought? I wonder. Uh, 
I'll throw this out and it might be a dumb question, but like a central service that FileMaker developers can hook to. So rather than integrating it into their system, they can just make a script call or something easier to a database that's hosted that uh, you guys have or a bank of servers in different parts of the country world um, that would then send an SMS. So in other words, they wouldn't have to integrate it. They could just call a FileMaker script in a database and then disconnect from that database and then pay a license fee based on that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I certainly have thought something along those lines over the years. Um, I suppose I've, that would certainly make it easier, especially just a service that people subscribe to. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've sort of wanted to avoid sort of handling other people's data and being responsible for for storing that, I suppose. Um, yeah, and, I guess you may or may yeah. not need to store it. Probably would be a good idea to at least log it. But yeah, anyway, it's just a thought. I think, I think um, each company... Does something like that's what I did at AppWorks was I built a central utility that sent emails, sent SMSs, sent other things like that, and then rather than integrate it into each customer, we would just call this one. It didn't work perfectly. Um, it was good, but not great. Yeah, look, certainly that's a, a quick and easy way to get up and running for for the end user. Um, so I can certainly see the yeah, definitely see the advantages there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've just tended to wanted to avoid having anything to do with other people's data and being responsible for it and having to, to I mean, back in the old days, yeah, I didn't host in FileMaker Solutions. It was obviously much harder before AWS came around. Um, and it's probably just something as a business I've tended to just be happy to provide the solution and then help customers do the integration and then move on and not be um, in a position where I'm, I'm getting calls at 2am because the SMS service is... Yeah. is down and they've got a really important message to get out the door for that day or something. Yeah. Yep, I get that. Um, is there an AWS data center in Australia? I know there's one in Hong Kong, which is, you know, maybe not so far as the crow flies, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we do have one in Sydney. It was one of the, the sort of latter ones to get deployed. Um, but And um, we're always the last one when FileMaker roll out a new service like FileMaker Cloud 2. We were the last region to um to mm. see that and i suspect with clara studio will probably be the same we'll be the last region to get that so oh so it's not the, available for you guys right now well clara studio is only going to be available in the north west region i think it was oh. from memory um, oh yeah yeah it's only going to be in one data center i think yeah so if, the, if you're yeah. across the pacific that's a, a long way to go to yeah that's open true. up your file maker file um and they tend mm. to go yeah west to east so they'll Sydney will be the last one that gets based on previous experience will be the last one to, and that can take uh, sort of a year to 18 months for that to happen. Hopefully it won't be as long for Clara Studio, but yeah, we've certainly got our own AWS regions, but we're, we're generally the, the last one to see any action for this sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure. And there must be a lot of infrastructure uh, that would make it difficult for them to replicate the whole cloud or st- data studio or whatever to, um, to another AWS data center. No. Uh, and there's, I don't know, got to be a hundred now. Well, I mean, Usually if they've not, got like 40 if they're servers using something, something like, uh, if they're using something that'll do container uh, deployment like Kubernetes, um, once you have your containerization set up and your, uh, your processing that will spin new instances up, taking that somewhere else is no big deal. They just want to actually probably test it really thoroughly before they do that. But once right. it's fully tested, for them to deploy out to multiple places, I'm betting it's like almost a no-brainer, like really yeah. fast and easy. 
I think once you're high enough level understanding with AWS, you're probably right. Like I, we built some systems that had, you know, for one client, there was, a, you know, 10 servers. They had, you know, like an authentication server and a radius server and a firewall. And then each of those had a redundancy. And then yeah. there was a, yeah, like a MySQL server. And then a bank of FileMaker servers and a bank of um, remote desktop servers all connected to one. Yeah, they're going to set up continuous integration with regards to deployment and all of the different pieces that need to go into place. But once that's all set up, it's set up as like recipes. And you just basically execute those recipes. You're just going to do it in a different data center yeah. in a different place in the world. Um, like, I, I don't even know if AWS, they probably have some variant of Kubernetes, but I mean, there's so many other providers that are doing that same thing. So Amazon was just the first one. And I mean, it's just like an AMI. You're familiar with AMIs. So for you to spin up a new server, once you've created like a vanilla FileMaker server, you just have the AMI and you just spin it up. Yep. So. Yeah. I was looking to, um, yeah, I was looking to hosting providers a bit earlier this year and um, I was talking to uh, the FM cloud people over, over in Europe and they've got a sort of, it sounds like a Docker containerization thing they can just spin up in, in literally minutes. Yeah. And in, they support about a 10 or 12 different AWS regions and, um, yeah, you can be up and running in minutes and yeah. they just run some sort of script, essentially, it sounds like, that just creates the container and spins it up and uh, everything's prepackaged and mm -hmm. away you go, yeah. Yeah, you said, this is this is the size of my drive, this is the nature of the instance, go. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much once you've got the, the uh, docs that say what to do. It's basically, it's just, a, it's um, if you're familiar with like YAML files or something, it's just a list of instructions um, I think it's Docker's own. Docker maybe uses YAML, or maybe it uses its own syntax. But it's basically just a list of instructions that says, you know, set this up, open these ports, uh, do this, do this, just a sequence of steps, and then you just do that times however many times you want that done. You know, I want twelve servers, then it'll get twelve servers, and in front of that server, I want a uh, um, a reverse proxy they'll actually hand it hand it out to any of those 12 based on which one is you know is not getting hit as much send my traffic there and then you've got the the back end if you've got a database that you want to coordinate with all those 12 servers then they've got to coordinate so that they that's what uh peter's talking about when he taught he's talking about the eventual consistency because you're dealing with caching at your point of entry, so you've got your proxy in front, which says, okay, go to the lightest server, and then that mm -hmm. server says, okay, a data write has been made, I need to get this to the database. Well, that's eventually going to happen, because it's not going direct, you're not hitting the database directly, you're hitting something that's determining what you've done, more or less. Right. So, And they'll manage all that. I mean, they're using Mongo on the back end, and there's so many, you've got... Pick a container if you want to play with Mongo. Right. And you can do all this on your desktop, too, by the way. You can get um, Docker right on your desktop. That's how I learned about it, was uh, installing it and then playing with it, the command line interface and the commands. And so it's pretty cool stuff. Get a lot of uh, platform envy because FileMaker does not have the ability to have multiple servers and load balanced and, uh, you know, there's there's a couple of aspects of FileMaker server that are still single point of failure. Yeah, but who knows yeah, with this uh, studio stuff? If uh, if your FileMaker FileMaker is going to become a front end uh, for what will be your back end, which will probably be all the stuff that you they'll have in Mongo. 
So if that ends up being your ultimate data store, FileMaker is just a really nice, pretty GUI builder in front of where the data is now going to be. If you're not going to yep. use FileMaker as the, the storage side. That so. is definitely my hope. So I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get started. Even though I know it's a technology preview, right? So it's not going to be fully baked until they launch it. And even then it's going to be a 1.0. Yeah. But I want to definitely know all the things it can do and, and be able to take full advantage of them as quickly as I can. Mm. Well, I was watching a um, YouTube video the other day. It was a presentation some filmmaker staff did to, I think it was like the Southern Ontario filmmaker group in Canada. And um, yeah, they did some demonstrations of like an online form user registrations in, in Clara Studio. And they showed it. I didn't yes. know that they well, I haven't even seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it looked interesting. So um, if you Google, I can find the link. But yeah, it's, uh, and yeah, it was good to actually see see what it was and then they showed connecting opening up claris pro and just viewing the data live without having to create a an external data source or install any drivers or that sort of stuff sweet um, i need to see that <laughs> mm. i haven't been this excited about a new claris uh, offering in a long time <laughs> yeah and i was just thinking to filmmaker server i think they announced that it's going to support a thousand concurrent connections as well so there's obviously yeah so that's just filemaker server right so obviously mm. the, the the mongodb backend is going to be vastly bigger than that um but yeah having filemaker server actually be tested to twice as many clients as current is pretty cool <clears throat> unless i did i miss that or is that what you saw as well that was in that i think it was in the 19.6 release that peter had a slide about on that webinar Last week, it had oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. script transactions and a thousand concurrent connections. I recall saying, yeah, yeah. So yeah, nineteen five is not shipping yet. And then yeah, they talked about. I love that they actually have the roadmap. Right here's what's coming in nineteen five and nineteen six. Matt and I found yeah. that both very encouraging. Yeah, script transactions. I don't quite understand what that will be or how that will work, but that sort of intrigued me for sure yeah he and i are guessing too <laughs> yeah, my guess is they're just basically reducing the amount of round trip calls that are being made so that there isn't so much going back and forth and that's how they're going to get a higher level of con con uh, concurrency um, also my guess is that nginx is uh, is a little bit of a boost too it's a little bit well i don't know what what the benchmarking is but it's a little bit more performant than apache as far as i know mm -hmm. so they know the they know all the details. So hopefully they'll give them tell them to us. One can hope. All right. Well, sounds like we've uh, done a good job covering uh, the integrations. Is there anything you wanted to leave everyone with, Andrew? Uh, no, just yeah. If they want to go and check out the databuzz.com.au website, if they want to find out more information about our products for. Um, accounting integration or e-commerce integration or DocuSign, yeah, please get in touch. Uh, happy to answer any questions they have. And um, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, Excellent. Thanks for your time. So you heard it, folks. If you need anything, SMS, MMS, uh, accounting through <laughs> Zero, MYOB, WooCommerce, Shopify, DocuSign. Wow, I feel like I should keep going. I'm going to hit 50 different items here. <laughs> if not, you're going to find them on Andrew's website, and you just ask him, he'll probably integrate it for you. So uh, thanks for checking in, everyone. Let's, let's play that jazz music. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> no, I do this every time, so I have to not do it. Sometimes.
and this is that time. No, I guess I screwed up. <laughs> Thanks again, Andrew.